0: Oh, don't you love the presence of the Lord? I, I want to give a shout out to our worship team this morning. Yeah, they did great. And it was, it was rich in the way that they led us this morning. But what you may not realize is halfway through that worship set, they lost all their lyrics. Yeah, so our lyric screens went down. And they just began to sing songs that they knew and continue to lead us in worship without even missing a beat. Come on. You know, I just think sometimes you just put your heart out there and it just got so rich in here. It's almost like, okay, let's just turn the screens off. Let's just seek him with our whole heart regardless of any of the technology, you know? And all the live stream people went, wait a minute. We want to get in on it, too. Yeah, but I just, I just think that was just precious. That was something so special about that, that even, even though we were losing, uh, that we lost that screen, that they just kept leading us, uh, and the Lord's presence is rich. So good, 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 good. All right. Well, today, we're starting a new series. The series is called Open the Gates, and what we're going to do over the next several weeks, of course, we've got the big name reveal next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming under one name that you know expresses who we are as a spiritual family, what God's made us. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take several weeks and we're gonna weave in um, the prophetic stories that God has given us, the dynamic prophetic things He's done. Um, we can't we can't share all of them because we would be here for hours and hours and hours. But we're going to highlight some significant ones that have helped direct us to where we're going and and to who we are today. And so, as Hazen shared last week, he talked about there's narrative threads, you know, that, that we follow. And the Lord is, man, he's so great. He weaves together all of our lives, and each of us has a story, don't we? Like if we took time and went through the whole room and everybody that's connecting to us on live stream and we said, how did you get here, right here, right now, we would be blown away about how the Lord has led our lives and brought us to this same place at this same time. And the fingerprints of God, it's all over all of us. And so uh, what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to talk about how the Lord has led us as a spiritual family, and I do the next two weeks, so I'm going to give so much from my own narrative thread about how we've come to this moment. And so it's going to be an exciting few weeks, um, and of course the name reveal, and then coming up in May, the full-on shift and change. You know what? We're in a moment of divine acceleration, and God is reforming His church right now. Anybody have felt that, that word reformation on your heart? I mean, reformation is in the air. He is changing the understanding, understanding and expression of Christianity in the earth right now. So it's a dynamic, dynamic season. Well, let's pray And we'll get into this message today, and I feel like the Lord will sharpen and challenge and encourage our hearts in a deep way this morning. So, Lord, oh, Jesus, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful for you, for how you lead. Your leadership is perfect. We we couldn't have found ourselves here without you. And so, God, I'm asking even this morning, would you continue to to whisper and thunder and speak to us about the dynamic things you have for us as a spiritual family in the days ahead and for the church and our city and, and for what you're doing in the kingdom at large across the nations. Speak to us on every level, our little part individually and as a family and what you're doing in the grand mosaic of things. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you, Hold my hand right now. Let me speak as your oracle. Bring this whole room under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Deepen us. Encourage us. Minister to us. We give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So... Um, it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, many in our spiritual family just finished a long fast, a 40 day fast on Friday. Um, I, I, I was personally aware of around hundred people who said I'm doing some portion of a 40 day fast. We didn't even put it out publicly, but people started hearing about it and jumping in. And so we finished a 40 day fast on Friday. Well, Friday was the 115th anniversary of the Azusa street revival. Which is awesome, um, you know. Like I said, we're getting ready to rename who we are as a spiritual family, coming under one name. The New Bridge name is going away. The IHOP name is going away, and we're going to have a name that expresses our unique DNA. It's fantastic, you know. This Wednesday, or uh, a week from Wednesday, the twenty-second, it's our third year as a merged community. And it's like it's like God is closing one chapter and opening another right now. We're just in such a fresh, fresh moment, and so, um, like I said, we're going to unpack some uh, prophetic stories, some narrative threads that the Lord's given us. But before I get into prophetic stories, I want to actually give a biblical basis for prophetic stories, and because you can think, oh. Prophetic stories equals, you know, some swirly thing that is apart from the, the plain teaching of Scripture. But what, what you actually find is when you look at the Bible, it's full of prophecy. In fact, the whole thing is a prophecy. Now, we don't ever take any prophecy that, that we would receive one to another and put it on the same level as the scripture, but what we find is that the Lord actually encourages us in the Scripture to uh, wage warfare, to fight according to the prophecies that have been given to us. It's really a, a fantastic combination of the Word and the Spirit working together. So I want to start by looking at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 18. I want to look at Paul's words to Timothy about using prophetic words to fight the good fight, to stand and accomplish the commission that God's given you. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. He goes, I'm committing this charge to you. He says that, that according to the prophecies given you, that you would wage the good warfare. Now what you find out is this, that Paul's letter to Timothy comes where Timothy is, he's in his early to mid 30s. He's a young man in ministry. He's been raised by Paul in ministry, mentored and fathered. But where Timothy is right now is he's in Ephesus, and he is given oversight to the church of Ephesus. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy is, uh, I'm telling you the stuff that we prophesied over you, because we would find out later that Paul literally... Uh, with some elders uh, laid hands on Timothy, probably in the city of Lystra, they laid hands on Timothy and the prophetic word came over Timothy's life of what he was called to do. And, and so then Paul sends, tells Timothy, I want you to stay in Ephesus at a time where Paul was passing through and then going into Macedonia. says, I want you to stay here and you're gonna give governance to this church. And so what he does in this first letter to Timothy is he unpacks and reminds Timothy some of the different challenges that Timothy was going to face, and he encourages Timothy, according to the prophecies given to Timothy, he goes, fight and wage war, stand firm, because we prophesied these things about you. That's the idea. And so if you look at it, what you find is that Paul mentions this charge. He goes, this charge I commit to you. Well, he tells us what the charge is earlier in the chapter. So I just want to lay this out so you can get your mind around it. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. This is kind of the narrative that I just mentioned. He says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you, and here's the charge, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And he goes, and the, person, uh, the purpose of this commandment or of this charge is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. I, I love what Paul's doing with Timothy. He's going, remember why I left you in Ephesus. Ephesus. I left you in Ephesus cuz it's a mess. He goes, "I left you there because Ephesus needs your leadership." And he goes, "And the purpose of all of it, verse 5, the purpose is love." That the church there would be so possessed with love from a pure heart that their hearts and their consciences would be clean and that their their faith would be sincere. He goes, this is what we're going after in, in, in building the church in Ephesus. He goes, but remember the charge that I gave you, and specifically the charge was this. because there's people there that are false teachers, and those false teachers, they're teaching other doctrines besides what we're teaching. He goes, I want you to stay here to deal with the false teachers, to teach the the true doctrines that we've passed to the church. He goes, furthermore, there's those that they get into these strivings about genealogies and who's actually a Jew and who's not a Jew, who's actually in and who's actually out. He goes, cancel all that. Just preach the gospel. Because the other thing is this, and and he doesn't mention it here, but we, we see it in the letter that Paul writes to the church of 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 Ephesus, he goes, the spiritual warfare there is off the chain. Because Ephesus was the historic center for the worship of the false goddess Diana. And you'll remember in Acts chapter 19, it was the city was so possessed with this false spirit that when when Paul's there and they're preaching the gospel and people are getting saved and they're losing money from their idle selling businesses, that the whole city goes into an uproar and they literally have a, a gathering in the city stadium where they chant, great is Diana or Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is, they chant her name for hours. You're talking about a city that is possessed with a demon spirit, we would would call that Jezebel, that's dealing with a religious spirit, that's dealing with false doctrines, and Paul turns to his son in the faith, this 30-year-old guy, and he goes, remember, they prophesied over you in Lystra. I want you to stay here. And I want you to keep the charge here in this city. I want you to lead this church. I want you to go for it, Timothy. And so when he's writing 1 Timothy now, and Timothy's about 35 years old, he goes, remember what I left you there to do. And he goes, now stand firm, because it's been prophesied over you that this is what you were called to do. It's powerful when you get your mind around it, because this charge I commit to you, that you would... Fight according to the prophecies that were made uh, to you. And so when we we think about prophetic stories, we realize that God doesn't do prophecy and prophetic stories to make you feel like, you know, arrogant about your gifting and your calling. You know, like somebody prophesies over somebody, and then it's not so that the person receiving the prophetic word can kind of look around and go... (laughs) Did you hear what he said about me? I'm anointed. I am. I've got, I have the anointing on me. You can see it. It's not for that. In fact, what we actually find biblically, and this is why Paul brings this up to Timothy, when you get prophecies many, many, many times, I mean, at, at the most basic it's just so you know that God sees you. So often it's just to deal with our own insecurities because God just wants you to know, I see you, I know you, I love you. He just says your name just so that you know that he knows you. And he he loves that. He loves to do that with his kids. So at the most basic, so often it's just so the Lord, he just wants to wink at you. But when he gives direction or calling kind of prophecies and then he starts stacking them up the reason why he's giving those kind of prophecies is probably because the journey is going to get really hard it's not so that you can sort of flex do you know how many times i've been prophesied to that i'm going to be a this and a that it is not for that let me help you just get delivered to that right now He probably gave you all that prophetic information because the journey you're about to go on is going to make you want to quit about a thousand times. And so that when you're at the point of quitting, Holy Spirit will remind you. Remember that dream that I gave you? Remember that word that I gave you? Remember this little... Hint that I gave you that this is what I'm calling you unto. And and so in those moments, you know, it's funny how we are because we're either like really full of ourselves or really like so unworthy. Like pride plays both sides. So, you know, in the moment you get the prophecy, you get all puffed up. Yes, (laughs) I am God's chosen vessel for the anointing to break in upon the world. You know, on one side you're that. And then when you're going through it, you're like, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. God doesn't know my name. He doesn't know my address. Do you even know where Lawrenceville, Georgia is? We call it Atlanta. It's not even Atlanta. I mean, you know. It's just, if we just flip back and forth. (laughs) And in those moments where you're just about to quit, he reminds you of that dream that he gave you. He reminds you of the prophetic word that he gave you. He reminds you of that time when you were young. So often I find that people, they'll get a prophetic word when they're young and the fullness doesn't come for 25 years. I preached about that a few weeks back, about how when God's gonna make bread, he starts with rain. Well, this is what the deal is with Timothy. He's given Timothy this this reminder about the prophecies, because undoubtedly, what's going on in Ephesus, it's not easy. They're demon possessed. The town is false teachers are there. The Judaizers are there. there there's a whole group of uh, preachers that are there telling the Gentiles that they've all got to get circumcised. So, you know, when they come into Christ, that now they've got to get circumcised. I mean, it's just it's just a it's a wreck. And so Paul's reminding him, fight. Stand firm because of the prophetic words that were given you. He goes, I want to, I, I want, I, I want you to keep this charge and wage the good warfare. I love that phrase, wage the good warfare. And beloved, it's true for all of us that when God does dramatic, prophetic things in our lives, it's so that we will stay the course and we don't give up that we see it through, no matter who is you know, speaking negatively or talking behind our back or, or quitting. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. It really is, what, what will you do with what God's done in your life? And that's why he speaks so dramatically sometimes. That's why he speaks so radically sometimes. That's why he does wild things to get your attention so that you'll see it through that you won't quit. I remember so many times planning the house of prayer, just ready to quit. I remember all, have, having already done the pink slip, already done the resignation letter in my head, having already signed off on it, thinking, oh, I, that's exactly what I'm going to say. And then the Lord, I, I remember one time the Lord goes, ah, you could quit. And I was like, I can? He goes, oh yeah, I'll even bless you. I was like, I'm gonna be blessed. And then he said, and I'll have to find someone else to do what I asked you to do. I'm like, that's not fair. A little reverse psychology from the Lord. I said, okay. But there's so many times that I've been on the verge and I had to recall the prophetic words. I had to remember what he said. I had to go back and read the journal and read the, you know, the story that I typed up, and I had to remember what, what was it that you said to me to keep me going this direction or make me even think I should do this. <clears throat> well, I want to tell, I'm gonna tell probably the most significant prophetic word that I've ever received. I'm going to tell that this morning. And I'm going to try to tell it in the most honest and unfiltered way. And I will just say that for me, it's, it's a little bit um, difficult to do this because it's so uh, vulnerable. It's literally taking some of the most precious gems that the Lord's given me and then I'm, I'm going to share them. But I feel like it's important for us, for us to go together, uh, for us to find our little narrative thread. Because what I've found is the more I share the stories that God's given me, there's so many threads that get woven together. And there's something powerful about a people when we when we find ourselves in the story, but we also realize that the story is far bigger than us, and we're we're going for something that's far bigger than us, and uh and so I want to share today as, as vulnerably and honestly as I can, and um and I'm just you know what there's a point where you got to sort of get rid of false humility and just sort of say it as it is, you know, because all hem and haw and just Not, I I didn't, for years and years, I wouldn't even say this word the way that it was given to me because I was afraid of my own pride. Do you know, being afraid of your own pride is called false humility? (laughs) Because humility and truth, they go together. So you get to a place where either it is or it isn't, dude, what is it? Just say it or don't, which one? So I'm at the, I'm just saying it. So I'll give one other disclaimer and then I'll get into the word. So this word, it talks about something called apostolic government, apostolic government. And for years, I didn't even use that phrase because it's so, such a loaded phrase. So when I would tell the story a little bit, I would say kingdom, kingdom authority. I would use kingdom authority in the place of apostolic government because I didn't want people to get weird. And uh, I didn't want people to say, oh, you're calling yourself an apostle, which I am not, and I'm not today. But this phrase apostolic government that God promises in this prophetic word, for years I didn't understand what it was, and I just sort of put it on the bench. And we're in a season right now where the Lord has, has dealt with me about going back to some of the original words he gave me even 25 years ago and showing me how they are for this hour right now. And some of you have things God spoke to you 25 years ago, and they are for right now, the season that we're stepping into. And so um, what I came to understand is, because the Lord over the last several years has given me more clarity on this phrase apostolic government. And, and what I, I've come to understand is it refers obviously to the gift ministries in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what I've come to understand, this apostolic government that this word talks about, is it's the five-fold ministry, those gift ministries from Ephesians 4, all operating together in the local church and from the foundation of the local church. And I believe we're in a great season right now of reformation and reclamation where God is, he's repossessing his church, but he's bringing through the church, the gift ministries in a way that we maybe haven't seen since the first century. I know that's a heavy thing to say, but I believe that's the moment we're in that we are going to see the ministry of the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the teacher, and the pastor all working together from the basis of the local church. Because, um, I mean, it should, it should kind of cause our antenna to go up to when we think about church as it has been and we realize that everybody's called a pastor. Did it ever make you wonder, like, what happened to the other four guys? Like, pastor of everything, and, but we don't, I mean, you just don't. Or you're in the church, and everybody is one of the four or five from Ephesians 4. You know, everybody's one of those. The point isn't to, to, to bring this out so that now we can walk around and walk around with our, our card of our gift ministry. I'm an evangelist. You call me Evangelist Humphrey. I evangelize. That's what I do. That's not the point. But the point is to realize that in the church there's many, many gift ministries. Therefore, the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the maturity of the faith, to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Guys, that's an end times prophecy. That the church will be hitting on all cylinders with all the gift ministries operating. And listen, listen, I'm telling you, God's erasing the boundary between clergy and laity. That thing is getting erased so that it doesn't matter if you're in the marketplace or the ministry place, that boundary is erased and you can operate in teaching and evangelism and apostolic ministry and prophetic ministry, whether you work a nine to five, own your own business or a mom at home, or you're in a full-time ministry position, because this is for the church, not just for the platform. Does that make sense? And so all of us have varying gifts that are broader than the Ephesians 4. But here's the way I like to think of it. When we think about a gift ministry, there's sort of like uh, a ministry that has one of those five kind of anointings. Like, you know, a person might have an evangelistic anointing. And then there may be an evangelistic ministry. And then there may be somebody that's in the office of the evangelist. And just because somebody is evangelistic doesn't make them the office of the evangelist. Does that make sense? So you have an evangelistic person, uh, you have a teachistic person, a teaching person, a pastoral, an apostolic, a prophetic, all those things are mixed in the body of Christ right and then you have ministries that are some are more prophetic some are more apostolic some are more evangelistic some are more teaching some are, some are more pastoral the, those are the sort of the uh, identities that ministries take they take an you know a component of one of those Ephesians for gifts in the ministries and then you have those offices And those offices that he identifies, you might have a a handful of actual prophets operating in the church in a nation. Like, um, you know, people love to use the titles, but there's only a handful. And I usually think about those offices going with sphere and authority that has a much greater throw than just a local spiritual family. Does that make sense? That's just a quick teaching on those points, but... I came to understand apostolic government to mean that in the church, God is gonna restore those gift ministries and those offices, and we're gonna see true apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers operating together in the local church. We're going to see people that have those anointings upon them operating in those style ministries. And we're going to see the church begin to flow as not just a sort of one lane kind of entity, but in all the fullness of the gifts to bring the body to maturity. Okay? All right. Let's get to the story. So... Um, I, I originally got this word in 2003, okay? So I, my wife and I had moved to Kansas City with our kids in, um, in 2003. We'd moved in, um, in uh, September, at end of September, beginning of October. And uh, we'd been there for just a short period of time. And somebody mailed me Uh, From Atlanta, somebody mails me a tape. Now, we used to have these things called tapes, and you put it in this machine called a cassette player. The tape actually had a line of tape that actually had music or talking on it. That was a thing. And so somebody mails me a tape, and the tape has a letter with it. Well, I, I'm notoriously dull when it comes to interpreting prophetic things. I just, I just am. And so when I first got it, I kind of had a, that's interesting, and I put it in my car, and I literally drove around with it in my car for a matter of weeks, thinking I'll just listen to that sometime and I remember reading the letter and um, I, didn't, I, I didn't really, I just kind of skimmed it really quickly. I mean, I was just moving in and so we had a lot going on and, and I skimmed it really quickly and I didn't really, I knew the person that sent it to me, but the person that sent it to me, was. it was given to him by somebody I didn't know. So I just thought, I don't know what this is. Let me just, I'll just hold on to it. So I'm driving around in my car with this. And, uh, and so what happens is this, I've got this prophetic word on this tape what happens to me is this. I get a voicemail from a prophetic minister from California and uh, through a sequence of events, uh, I was gonna connect with this guy because I was trying to connect him with someone else here in Atlanta. And so I was going through a friend to try to get this guy and the friend calls him and says, hey, um, I've got somebody in Atlanta that wants to connect with you and I'm doing the friend of the friend of the friend thing. This is how this relationship comes about. Well, when, when my friend calls this prophetic minister, he says, hey, there's somebody in Atlanta that wants to uh, connect with you. The prophetic minister guy says, yeah, I know his name is Billy Humphrey. And so my friend goes, how do you know that? He said, well, his phone number has been following me around my office for three days. And he said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I walked in Three days ago, and that phone number was sitting by my phone. I went to throw it away, and as I was putting it in the garbage can, the Lord said no. So then I put it on my table. Well, the next day I walked in my office, and it was right there on the floor as I opened the door. He goes, so I picked it up, and I put it on the counter. He said, and the next day I came in, which was today, and the phone number was by my phone. And then you called me and said, there's somebody from Atlanta who wants to connect with you, and he goes, yeah, I know. His name is Billy Humphrey. His phone number's been following around my office for three days. And so the guy, this prophetic minister, he goes, I think I have a word for him. He goes, oh, that's interesting. He's wanting to connect with you. So I get the voicemail from the guy, and the guy calls me, and he says, listen, I have this prophetic word. He goes, I thought it was for somebody in Stone Mountain, but I believe it's for you. And he tells me the story about my phone number following around the office and all that. And I said, okay. And he says, here's the word. He says, the word is there's coming a season where God is going to release apostolic government to the city of Atlanta. And it's going to be followed by a massive revival. I went, man, praise God. That's awesome. And I go, what does that mean? I asked a few questions, just clarifying, what are you talking about? And He goes, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a dramatic thing God's going to do. He's going to pour out His Spirit. And that's what had me. At this point, I'm barely even into the prayer movement. Because in, in my mind, I've moved to Kansas City to understand night and day prayer so I can get revival. Like, you have to understand, that's kind of where I was at. And so... Uh, when he says revival, massive revival coming to Atlanta, I'm like, yes, tell me more. And, and he says, and it's, but first is a season where God's going to release apostolic government. And, and, I, and I didn't really connect to that. I didn't know what that meant. I thought that was a little weird sounding. And, uh, but I thought, okay, I'm in. Massive revival, I'm in. Get off the phone with him. And I think, wow, you know, I've got this other cassette prophecy in my car, I mean, I've already gotten one good prophetic word. Let's hear this one. Maybe it's, maybe it's good, too. And I put it in. And this prophecy is from 1996, okay? And I do not know why the guy that originally sent it to me thought this word was for me. All I know is he just did, and he sent it to me. So... <clears throat> I put the thing in and it's a prophetic minister on the tape named Sean Bowles. And I've come to know Sean over the years. And, and uh, you know, obviously he is, if you know who he is, he's displayed a, a pretty stunningly accurate prophetic ministry. And so uh, on the tape, it's a young Sean Bowles from 96, which would put him like 20 something years old. And Sean on the tape, he's in Atlanta and it's um, and he's, it's it's right after the Olympics, okay. And he has he's explaining on the tape how he's had an encounter with the Lord at Stone Mountain Park. And there were these five horses that was a part of this sculpture that they had brought from Germany, and they put it at Stone Mountain Park. And while he was there uh, checking out the park and seeing the sculpture, the Lord begins to deal with him, and he sees these five horses, and, and he knows that this has to do with the five-fold ministry. And then he looks closer at each one of the horses, and it's four women and one man. One male. Four, four female horses, sorry. Females and one male, which he realizes God's saying not only is he going to restore the five-fold ministry, he's going to lift women to their appropriate place in leadership in the church, which, to which we say amen, yes, and amen. Now, on each one of these horses, there's a little saying, and one of them says let freedom ring. It's the Martin Luther King statement over Stone Mountain, which Martin Luther King Jr. said uh, from the, the top of Stone Mountain in Georgia to Lookout Mountain, let freedom ring. It was a main part of his, of his um, I Have a Dream speech. And, uh, and each of the horses all had another phrase. And the whole the whole thing, the whole sculpture was called The Day the Wall Came Down. It's powerful. So he's having this encounter. He knows it has to do with apostolic ministry, the lifting of women. And, uh, but this is what the Lord tells him. The Lord speaks to him specifically as he's looking at that sculpture. I'm, and I'm listening to this on the tape. And he says, there is coming a season of the release of apostolic government to the city of Atlanta, and it's going to be followed by a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When he says that on the tape, I, I start like freaking out because it's the exact sentence that I've just received in another prophetic word on the phone. And then Sean goes on to say that, he he says, he goes, I know a plane has crashed into Stone Mountain, he said, but there's coming another plane that will crash into Stone Mountain. And when that plane crashes into Stone Mountain, it will be the sign that this word about the release of apostolic government and massive revival, that that word is a true word. So I get off, the, I get off uh, listen to this tape, and I am like, oh my gosh, like I'm trembling because now I've received the exact same prophetic word, one on the phone and one through this cassette tape, and I don't know how God does this stuff. I was driving around in the car with the tape for no reason. I didn't listen to it, but on the day that the voicemail came and I had the phone conversation, now that's the day that I actually listened to the tape. You see, God just lines things up for you. Probably he did it twice for me because I'm so dull sometimes. I just needed the bang, bang, you know, I needed wake up, psh, psh, you know? (laughs) And so now I'm trembling and I go, whoa, what's in this letter? Because there was a letter that came with the tape. And And it says, you know, the letter says, hey, Billy, you don't know me, my brother. I gave this tape to my brother to send to you. He goes, this word was given at Northeast Metro Christian Fellowship in 1996, which it got my attention because I was actually scheduled to speak at that very church in a month. So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And, and, and then, and he goes, and I'm writing this to letter to let you know that a plane has just crashed into Stone Mountain. In fact, it crashed into Stone Mountain seven years to the day that the prophecy was given. And he goes, somehow I just feel like this prophecy is for you. And so I look at the letter and on the letter, it says that plane has crashed into Stone Mountain. And I look at the date of the prophecy and the prophecy was given on September 15th, 1996. And the plane crashes into Stone Mountain September 16th, 2003. It's seven years exactly to the day, even to the hour, because you add in the leap year, it's exactly seven years. But here's the thing that I'm trembling and I'm, I'm stunned because I've gotten the same prophetic word and, and now I've got the plane crash. It's actually happened. It's a true word. The sign has come to pass. But what you don't know is that September 15th is a super important day to me. It's my birthday. And so now I'm undone. And so I remember that day we had a friend scheduled to come over for dinner, and 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 I remember like coming to the door and, honey, honey, like and there's a there's a person with this like something is happening, and I'm just I'm just beside myself because I don't know what to do with it, and I don't even know what it really means. All I know is revival's coming and a plane crashed and ah and try to say that really you know explain that really fast to somebody and they're like, that's nice, buddy. Good for you. Good. You know, you're, you're, sit down, have some water. You'll be fine. And I remember in that season just thinking, uh, apostolic government, what does that mean? And massive revival, what does that mean? And what does it mean, plane crash? And oh, my gosh, it's, my bir- it's on my birthday. And then you just kind of after a while, you just think there's no way. That's, you can't make that story up. You can't make this stuff up. There's no way. And so you go, well, this is something. I don't know what it is. It's something. So I'm going to fast forward because the story doesn't end there. So we come back to Atlanta, plant the house of prayer. We go 10 years, 24-7, and we're at our 10-year anniversary for 24-7. We do a week-long conference. I'm just curious by a show of hands, how many were at that conference, the 10 conference? Yeah, Good, fair number of people, that's good. We had a packed house every night of the week. We had Mike Bicklin, Lou Engel, so many of our friends over the years came and spoke. But beautifully, Jeff and Dustin, they were in the moment of merging and becoming New Bridge. And um, and so you guys hadn't quite merged yet at that point, right? Just started the process, this is five years ago. And, and so we end up, and we, we say, hey, can we do our 10th anniversary there at, which was at that time, Meadow Baptist, and, and Jeff and Dustin are like, absolutely, we want it, let's do it. So we do the, our 10th anniversary conference right here. Now, we don't have any idea about we're merging or anything like that. They're just merging, and I'm like, good for you guys, bless them, help them, Jesus. I don't know that it's gonna be bless me, help me and them in a minute because we're all gonna merge here in just two more years, but they're in the process. So, uh, so we get together and we do the, the meetings and it's powerful. Every single message is powerful. And, and so Lou Engle, um, who's a dear, dear friend of ours, I um, mean, he's, like he's like been a spiritual father in my life and he's just a dear friend of, of our house for years and years, Uh, Lou is going to come and he's going to speak on the actual night of our 10th anniversary. And I just had this sense that when Lou comes, something dramatic is going to happen. Something because Lou is a prophetic, uh, minister that when he, a lot of times when he comes, everything starts prophesying. (laughs) Like, I mean, the billboard, the radio, the television, everything. It's just, it gets, it gets very incredibly, um, dynamic in the spirit and, um, and so I just thought, man, on our 10th anniversary, I, th- I really think God's going to do something dramatic. And uh, Lou will be here. It'll be great. So, so here's what happens. Uh, I'm here. We're waiting for Lou to show up. Somebody comes and gets me and says, hey, Lou is here. And he says he's got a prophetic word for you. And I go, I know it. I know it. And so I go run back. And he's back there in the, in the green room. And. And he goes, Billy, you can't believe it. And he's got his Lou Engle voice, you know. <laughs> and and he, goes, he, goes, he goes, I've got, he goes, something dramatic's happened. I go, tell me, tell me, I'm ready to hear this. He goes, I was just in the Houston airport. He goes, and I was trying to find my flight and I was going to one gate and I realized oh, I'm at the wrong gate. And I walk <clears throat> and I find the new gate and I sit down. He goes, and I look over and Sean Bowles is sitting right next to me who does this? Only God, right? And, uh, and he goes, and we hadn't talked in a while. We're catching up and talking and so good to see each other. He goes, and then Sean says, so, so where are you going? He goes, oh, I'm going to Atlanta to be with Billy Humphrey for the 10th anniversary of the House of Prayer. And Sean Bowles looks at him and he says, tell Billy the word for Atlanta is still on. Apostolic government and a massive release of Revival. And so Lou tells me that, and I'm like, like just blown, because how are you going to end up on a connecting flight in the Houston airport with the guy that gave the word of the plane crash? Da 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 Impossible. So that night, Lou's like, "Hey, let's just tell the story." So I, I start telling the story, and so you got to get it now. Dustin and Jeff are in the very first stages of merging and coming together and breaking down the walls of the religious spirit and bringing the assemblies of God together with the Baptists. They're in the first stages of that. And so Lou says, I believe there's something God's speaking tonight about the joining of the Baptists and the Pentecostals together. And it has to do with apostolic government. And so we all get up on the platform and we're praying and the power of God hits Jeff and Dustin in a a profound way. And we know that this is a a unique gathering of the evangelicals and, and the charismatics for the days ahead that God's tearing down the walls. We know that. And so in the middle, while Lou is is speaking, he begins to talk about this sign of the plane crashing into Stone Mountain. And what ends up coming out of that is that we realize that that is a sign of, yes, the confirmation of the prophecy, but it's a sign in the natural of something in the spiritual. And it's that night, literally, that we get the courage to say we're going to go to Stone Mountain and we're going to stand on top of Stone Mountain and in the place where the Ku Klux Klan burned the first cross led by a Methodist Episcopal minister, we're going to stand in that place and repent of racism and dead religion Yeah, and so we called the city to it, and we end up with 25,000 people at Stone Mountain, 500 pastors and leaders all on our knees repenting of racism and dead religion and asking God to release revival and reconciliation. And so that's 2018. Well, that's the same year that the Lord gave Dustin the dream that we were to merge the House of Prayer and Newbridge, that the local church and the House of Prayer were going to become one. And so we know that we're tearing down dead religion. We know we're tearing down racism. We know that there's this joining of the House of Prayer and the local church, but we still don't quite get this thing about apostolic government and massive revival and so the lord over the last three years as we began to form this new thing that we've called new bridge ihop that we're getting ready to come under one name he begins to impress us deeply with the value of every culture the necessity of every, every part, every culture, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all being lifted and able to, to play, that it's every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. He starts to impress us deeply with the value of men and women operating in their gifts, functioning together, where there's no distinction between male or female, but all of us are one in the body of Christ. Do you know Jesus, when he got you saved, he didn't make any second-class citizens in the kingdom. We're all sons and daughters. We all get to eat at the table. We all get to function in all the fullness of the kingdom. Amen. And so we know that 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 was something dynamic. And we know that he he was calling us to operate together as a team in ministry, that all of a sudden, instead of it being just just one leader-led kind of a ministry, that we were to share and function uh, operationally in the environment and, and pastorally in a team. And so over the last several years, as this began to get so clear to us, we realized, oh my goodness. We've had the prophetic word that we didn't even realize really what it meant. And this is the way I've found what God does. He'll give you the word. Sometimes you don't understand it. And then he makes you into the word. And then you look back and go, oh, that's the word. That's the word. And you may or may not have noticed. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But in the last four weeks, counting today, go back four messages. We had four different speakers (laughs) from the pulpit. Ash, Hazen, Dustin, myself, and we all have different ways that we preach and teach. You know, one of us is more uh, evangelistic, one of us is, is more teaching focused, one of us is, is more apostolic and prophetic, and, and, and we, we function in this thing where there's this mix of what is coming forth, and beloved, we're standing here right now realizing, oh, this is what God has made us the very thing that he prophesied. But I want to just say this. I believe we're right now at the beginning of the beginning of seeing a massive reformation in the church at large, not just our spiritual family, but all over the place. We're team ministry ministry multiple voices, multiple gifts, male and female across cultures. is going to be functioning and it's going to be normal in the church for there to be teaching teams. We've already seen that in small ways. It's going to be normal in the church for there to be teaching teams, for gift ministries of every type to be functioning in the local church and that the body, that the quote unquote laity and the clergy line is going to get erased. So you may have a full-on gift ministry prophet who's actually a business owner and that God is going to completely erase those lines and he's going to cause the body to come to maturity. Can I get a witness on any of that? And I share with you this prophetic story because I'm watching some of your faces. I'm watching some of the older saints and some of the the ones in the room, and you're going, Mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the elbow, the elbow in your spouse. I told you, I've been saying this for 30 years. And I, I know some of us are slower, so it just takes us a little while to get it. But this is one of the dramatic things God's doing at large. And it's what he's done with us. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean, oh, we don't know who the leader is. No, we have a leadership team. And in our team, we function apostolically. And what do I mean by that? I mean, in, in some environments, one of us is gonna be the senior leader in that room. And then in a different environment, another one of us will have sort of the leadership ball in that room and that's how we function and our leadership in our spiritual family it's broader than just the four preachers that are emphasized we have operational and prophetic leaders that are functioning in our leadership environments all the time that maybe aren't even on the platform so much but they're giving help and leadership in our environment. Beyond that, we have pastors all over the place. When I think about house church leaders, so many of you are shepherds operating in that gift of being a shepherd in that 20 or 30 person size house church. And so this is what we think that God wants to do is he wants to release the government of the kingdom through the church in many facets and, and, and not just one person being the main speaker, main leader, but that he would express himself through a myriad of people in the church. There's something about when Jesus gets to shine through the whole body. Amen? And so this is who we are. This is who we're going to be. <laughs> I believe he's going to do it in more than just this house but I believe we're beginning to step into what he meant by apostolic government, and and I think it means the authority that the first church had. More than it means who's the apostle, who's the prophet, who's the evangelist, It's the authority, the apostolic government that the first church had that they expressed over Asia Minor where the gospel turned the whole world upside down, that when the church begins to function with every joint supplying, the anointing and the authority that's gonna be on the church is gonna multiply dramatically and we are gonna see kingdom effect happen in the earth. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Well, let's stand right there. I'll pick up next week with more stories. Some of you, this has been in your heart for years. Some of you, this is a new sound, but it's, it rings true. And, and you, you know, there's, there's got to be more. We've talked about that, how that's been in so many of our hearts. There's got to be more. But it really is the whole body coming to the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. I like to say it this way. It's an old John Wimber statement. Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to operate in the power of the kingdom. He didn't give the Holy Spirit to just one or two people. Everybody gets to play. And Jesus wants to shine through each of us. And I just see it that way, like... Each of us is a facet, and all together, we're like a beautiful diamond, and when the light shines through, oh, it's a myriad of color and beauty. Well, beloved, this is who we're going to be. This is who we are, and this is who we're going to be. Amen. Lord, we just come before you, and Lord, I hold these words before you, and We just say together, be it unto us according to your will. You've make, you're making something of us that wasn't our idea. It was your dream. And we say yes. And Lord, we look at the word and we see it in the word. And then we see that you've given prophetic direction so that we could stand and fight for what you want to do in the earth. And not quit, most of it's so we don't quit. I'm just, I'm touched over that right there. <laughs> Some of you wanted to quit so many times. I know, I know what that feels like. you've had your hope broken so many times, (laughs) and it's like everything you can do to just hope again, (laughs) and it's like, man, I want to believe, help my unbelief. And the enemy has attacked your faith and he's trying to replace faith with cynicism. And I want to tell you, it's not your portion to live this life skeptical and cynical. No, he who promises is faithful. And I want to tell you, there's more for the church. There's more for the bride that we can be more. There's something more that God wants to bring for us. Now I'm gonna tell you, this city is going to fall to the kingdom of God. This city is gonna fall to the kingdom of God. And it's not just for us. It's for every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It's for every denomination and congregation. There's something so much Bigger than he wants to release than one little place, one little people. And he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. And we all get to do this together. We get to do this together. And everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. Father, in the name of Jesus. Would you restore hope, God, where hope has been broken and deferred? Would you restore hope again? Would you break forth with faith again? Would you cause light to alight on every mind again? God, for the senior saints that have labored for these things, and could it be that we're finally coming into the days of fulfillment? God, would you resonate to their heart? The answer is yes. And God, for the young ones that have never seen it any other way, God, would you cause them to be completely protected from the bondages of religion, that they would find themselves standing in the fullness of what many generations have contended for? And God, would you allow us, this little spiritual family, would you allow us to step into the dramatic things you promised. Apostolic government. The fullness of the fivefold functioning in the local church. And massive revival. Come Holy Spirit. I just want to invite you forward. If this is resonating with you right now if this is moving your heart some of you there's a burning on your heart right now. Some of you there's a, it's like new life. I can see like a, a small sprig coming through the soil. I see a, I can see in my mind's eye like a, a dead plant with a, a new leaf. Some of you it's a, it's a new day of belief, a new day of hope. Some of you, it's a burning in your soul and you're going to step right into the thing. That God's been witnessing to you. Some of you didn't have any language for it. But you knew. You knew he wants to use me. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Even this altar right now. Come Holy Spirit. Refresh. Renew. Revitalize. Restore. God, we pray for the church reform. Even if you didn't come forward right now, would you just engage in prayer just for a moment? Let's just let the Holy Spirit move for a minute. Holy Spirit, lift, lift our eyes to you. Lift the brokenness off of our souls. Where hope has been deferred. Renew hope, renew faith. You guys got some. Let's just worship. Holy Spirit, I'm asking. Bring us into your dreams. Bring us in the fullness of the stature of Christ.